on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. Welcome to another edition of the Orient Hour here on Phoenix FM with myself, Chris Hood. It's the show all about the guys and gals of E10, featuring the latest news, views and special guest interviews. What a panel we have for you tonight. Joined later in the studio by uh, Orient's Chief Scout Steve Foster and, of course, the uh, incomparable Andy Gilson. Uh, well, he's comparable to some things, but we can't go into it here. Uh, by former Leighton Orienteer editor Jamie Stripe, by Pandemonium editor Matt Roper as well. If you've got a question for the panel tonight or a comment about another great week in E10, loads of ways to get in touch. It's the Orient Hour on Facebook and Twitter. Give us a follow and a like, and you can also email the studio direct, radio at phoenixfm.com. Before we turn to our panel, let's have a little look back on yesterday's action as Orient travelled to FC Halifax Town. And Orient arrived at Halifax off the back of a hard-fought but ultimately impressive 3-0 win over Solihull Moors on Tuesday night at Brisbane Road. Orient had in fact won their previous three games, all without conceding a goal and scoring seven in that time, sitting pretty in second place, nine games undefeated. In fact, the O's were only one of only two sides undefeated in the league, uh, the other being uh, top of the table, Harrogate Town, uh, level on points with the O's. As for the opponents, uh, FC Halifax, well, they were fourth heading into the match, two points behind the uh, O's, undefeated in three, having drawn their last two against Sutton and Wrexham. Home form was a uh, particular strength for them uh, this season, with the Shaman winning all four of their games at the Shea. And both sides boasted identical goals against that of six in nine matches. Uh, for Orient, James Allaby was back available and slotted onto the bench in place of Loney Levi Lemecca, having served his uh, two, a three-game suspension uh, for a seeing red against Gateshead. Uh, Dale Gorman missed out on uh, Northern Ireland under-21 duty. Sam Ling narrowly missed out due to an ankle strain. And George Kobe and James Brophy still unavailable for ha- with hamstring injuries. Although the good news on uh, the two of those players is that they are expected to be available 
uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, on to the game itself, and uh, well, there would also be a familiar face in the Halifax lineup with former Orient captain Nathan Clark uh, starting the game for the Shaman. Uh, Orient continue their unbeaten start to the season, though, with a one-all draw away at FC Halifax Town. Orient dominated the first half and large portions of the match, but fell behind to a Dow Southwell penalty in the 65th minute, as for James Zalabi secured a point for the O's in added time, uh, netting for the first time in an O's shirt uh, on his return. He was actually only uh, on the pitch for 10 minutes before scoring that goal, coming on uh, in the 81st as Leighton Orient chased the game. In uh, yesterday's other action in the division, uh, well, it ended Aldershot Town 3, Bromley 2, James Rowe scoring the winner in the 87th minute, and uh, Dan Holman, uh, the O's last season, of course, scoring in the 65th. Uh, Barnet Orient's next opponents pulled out a 1-0 victory against Maidenhead United. It ended uh, Barrow 0, Dagenham and Redbridge 1, Braintree Town 0, Wrexham 1, Chesterfield drew 0-0 with Dover Athletic Eastleigh 0-0 with IFC Filed FC United 0 Gateshead 1 that uh, win coming from a Christopher Bush own goal uh, it also ended Harrogate Town 3 Haven't Waterlooville 2 Salford City picked up a 1-0 victory against Maidstone United and it ended Solihull Moors 0 Hartlepool United 1 uh, that's not including the strange sight of seeing Sutton United advance to the third round of the Scottish Challenge Cup yesterday uh, beating Adrianians 1-0 away as Boreham Wood lost out 6-5 on penalties at home to Dunfermline. Uh, so after yesterday's matches, Orient sit third, two points off Harrogate in top spot. Orient and Harrogate still the only two sides undefeated in the division, extending their run now to 10. Uh, as I said, the O's next play Barnet at home in the league on Saturday. Uh, the visitors are ninth, three points behind the O's. After the match, Ozone's Dave Victor spoke with the boss, Justin Edinburgh. Thank you very much for joining us. I suspect in the first half you wouldn't have expected a one-all draw, but the players showed enormous resilience at the end. Yeah, I've got to say that if we had come away with nothing from the game, it would have been uh, a travesty, really. I thought, you know, I've, we've been playing well, but the way we controlled that game today was, was quite immense, really. I was proud of the performance. Obviously, you know, in that dressing room now, I feel like it's two points dropped, but... Great character, uh, went to the end and, and, and got what we deserved. Did Halifax deserve a penalty? Yes, no, it was a penalty. Um, we, we just needed to deal with the initial ball better. Uh, we got ourselves back into a position and Marvin was a little bit reckless, but uh, you know, say it, it, it one one error in the whole game, we were punished for it. Other than that, we, I mean, we was we was confident, we were dominant, we moved the ball very very well. Um, just didn't get that first goal when we needed it really so much possession so many chances in the opening 45 yeah no I thought you know we always looked a constant threat we got in really good positions you know we're, we were wasteful that, that's the only criticism I can have at the front two today that when them, when them chances come along when we were dominating for long spells that we didn't we didn't get the goal that it deserved really but the goal did come yeah. eventually and psychologically that's a huge boost for James Alabi. Absolutely delighted for him and, and all the players are in there, you know. Started the season, obviously got sent off, desperate to score and what, what a better way to do it in the depths of, of, of the game today to, to send them fantastic fans home, jubilant again. And this is the first time that Halifax haven't won at home this season? No, I mean we knew it was going to be a tough test. Um, but I, I'm hope that they're honest and, and, and have the opinion that you know we've dominated them. You know, at, at, 
for the first 45 minutes, we looked like the home team. I just can't give enough plaudits to the players in, in the way they moved the ball, the way they played the football. And um, like I say, the only, the only thing that we have to be critical of is that when we play that well, that we need to, to take the lead and, and, and go on. Two very tough games coming up and that mental strength will be so important. Yeah, no, I mean... Um, we, we looked at August, we thought it'd be, we knew it'd be tough. September's exactly the same. You know, it's relentless. The good thing now, we can have a full week at, on the training ground, go through one or two things, some fine details, um, give the players some, some rest as well, which they need. But we know it's a, a huge game against Barnet next week. Because there must be some tired bodies. I think that's the sixth game in succession. It's been an unchanged starting eleven. Yeah, uh, it's, it's one that, you know, I, I'm, I'm always wary because of... You know the amount of travelling, the amount of game time that I'm asking these players. But you know when they're playing as well as they are, I know that they don't want to come out of that team. And I think that again showed in the performance today. There was a togetherness and a togetherness with the supporters at the end. Yeah, no, it's it's what we're about. I think we've you know we're starting to come together as a football club for the right reasons. You know, and um, I think that the fans. Uh, are playing a huge part in that and, and I think we're giving something back in terms of performances and, and results and you know it, it's a real good feeling right now and we want to keep that momentum going. Now we're joined in the studio tonight uh, by uh, former Leighton Orient hero to the Jamie Stripe, Pandemonium uh, uh, Matt Roper as well. Uh, well Matt it's taken until the 10th game of the season to get you in the studio and uh, lo and behold Orient's still unbeaten and uh, well you're going to have to wake us up because surely we must be dreaming at this point in the season. <laughs> yeah um, I don't think any Anyone, Chris, could have thought probably at the start of the season we'd go 10 unbeaten. Um, obviously, it's nowhere near job done, as I think anyone will know. There's still only one place up for grabs. That won't change. But, uh, you know, obviously 10 unbeaten and where we sit in the division, it's a, it, you know, it's a pretty much perfect start. It could be much better. And, uh, well, we were talking before the, uh, the start of the show, Jamie. I mean, we, we looked at the, those first few results and the three draws that Orin got and... Looking back on it at the time, many people, and I suppose us included, were thinking it was quite disappointing that the Salford, not so much, is what we expected, but you said the Barrow one, but now they look like very good points. They do look very good points. I think, obviously, we had to use those games to bed our players in and see where they were. And I think what's happened now is once we've got those three draws, the first, the first win of the season was crucial for us because I think you're, you saw people like Craig Clay becoming you know, more influential. <laughs> And, and Josh Caroma, you know, getting his goal-scoring boots on, and we've we've moved on from from that now, and we've put in a really good run that's taken us to third in the league. Uh, but as Justin said, there he's, he's proud of the performance, but uh, dressing room feels like it's two points dropped, and really, it could and maybe should have been more. And I've posted up something earlier that that's Pete the Kitchen's uh, assessment of it as well. Orient probably should have won that game, taking the three points. Yeah, there's been there's been two or three others like that. Obviously, the Barrow game and. Uh, I thought the first game of the season at Salford, we had enough chances in the second half to win that game. But that's just a measure of where we're at now. I mean, the players coming off after a decent point, I think we'd have all took a draw yesterday before the game. They've come off disappointed they didn't win that game. And Justin said that, you know, our, our finishing was a little bit on the wasteful side. But we're making those chances. That's the important thing. And hopefully in the next two or three games, we'll take those chances and you know, really cement ourselves as a top three side. Because the truth was, Matt, coming into this week, we were looking at playing two sides on who this time last week were on identical points with the Orient, and we were looking at this as being an absolutely massive week. And to get four points from those two games is probably, well, it's, it's probably as well as we could hope. It is, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's you know, I and mean, obviously, uh, as Jamie said, 
What's nice to see is that the players and fans are maybe talking about a draw and that we could have won the game, but obviously, the un, you know, the, it's a fantastic sort of trait to have to stay unbeaten. It's it's not going to last forever, we know that. Um, it looked like it was going to last, you know, it looked like it was going to run out yesterday, but, you know, the, the, the spirit in the... In the, in the side, obviously managed to get us a draw. And, and, and as you say, I mean, if we keep pulling out points like we did yesterday and then coming home and winning home games, we're not going to go far wrong. And the O's are controlling matches now and then they're confident on the ball and at times a dominant, Jamie. Well, I noticed that in the game against Solihull the other night, I thought our ground football for the first 20 minutes in that game was the best I've seen for a good two or three years. You know, running at defences, playing the ball to feet, midfield connecting with the front boys and you know we looked very very good for 20 minutes in saying that I mean Solihull made two or three chances and the, fir- the first half you know was end to end virtually until they decided to t- 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 take it into a kicking match but you know it- it's nice to see that we can control a game and, and-, and force possession and put our defences under pressure it's something that we've not kind of done for a long time and it's-, it's nice to see that you know our team going forward as a team and defending as a team, you know, it's it's a great trait to have and it's the kind of thing that Justin's looking for, you know, if we just keep the pressure on your position, you know, we're going to get results. I mean, where do you think that's come from, that dominance on the ball, Matt? Because for, for a long time <coughs> last season, that wasn't evident and we are looking at the same players. I, I think it's a case, Chris, that you, you've had, you've got two or three players and, and, and I spoke about this in the first issue of the season with the, with the fanzine, is that, there are a number of players because there weren't that great many additions had to, had to go up five ten percent. If they went up ten percent in in you know in their own sort of performance and it, within their units, then we were going to be a very very tough side to beat. The, the the one name I would single out immediately in the middle of the park is Craig Clay. He's a different player from last year. He's you know as Jamie says you know the other night he controlled the ball. He controlled the middle of the park. Um, you know okay we had the injuries last year and we had the the bad run of form, but you know someone like Craig Clay now looks a completely different player. It's like having a new signing. And if you know if all the players can sort of keep pushing their own personal performance within their units. We've still got players to come back. There's a great competition now. The bench is very, very strong. Then as I say again, you know, it, it looks a it looks a top seven side. Um and and then who knows, sort of come maybe February, March, if we're still in there pitching, we might be able to go for top top spot. How much of an impact is is Charlie Lee in that? Because he he played incredibly well on on Tuesday night against uh, Solihull and even to the point where well, he he still was playing under the injury at the end of the, of the first half and was still battling away. Yeah, I think I think it was actually quite a surprise for a lot of those fans when he didn't make the starting lineup at Salford. I think everyone sort of you know everyone was talking about Charlie Lee coming back from his injury and uh, you know Charlie Lee epitomises for me what you need in this division. He'll roll his sleeves up. He'll do the dirty work. He'll, he'll, he'll you know, he'll, he'll sit in front of his back four. He'll, he'll break up play. He's, 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 you know, he's a decent footballer as well. You know, it's not like he's just a, you know, sort of a, a clogging machine in the midfield. He can, he can, you know, but he, he, you can see someone like Charlie Lee wants to win, and uh, you know, and now I think you, ha- you have that. You have 10, 11, 12, 14 players out there now that believe they can win football matches. Um, and they're not known when they're beaten. I, you know, I yesterday going one nil down, and they thought they were beat. And you know, okay, might be a little bit lucky at the end there, but we we get a point out of the game. And it is it is different performances, isn't it? Different performances each time. It's not playing one dimensionally, but ultimately on Tuesday night, Orient did get dragged into a battle that they probably weren't 
well, they probably weren't built for in the battle they shouldn't have got really pulled into when, when things started getting a little bit physical on, on Tuesday. Probably a battle that Solihull, from the way they played without without all those um, all the challenges and all the argy-bargy that was going on, probably what they didn't need either. No, I mean, because they, when they actually played a bit of football, they looked, they looked a threat. I mean, if it wasn't for Brill and some last-ditch tackling, you know, we could have been in, in trouble in certain points in the game. But the great thing about that performance is that they threw the gauntlet down to us and we never buckled. I think this time last year, we would have buckled. Uh, you know, you have to look at Ekpateta's, you know, performance in that game because him and Lee both went in for 50-50 challenges knowing they were going to get clattered. And they did get clattered and they got up and they got on the game and, and lasted almost, I think, Lee came off at the end. But, you know, they lasted the whole game and, and, and battled all the way. And that's a great thing for the fans and the manager to see because you've got that resilience now. I mean, going back to the point about Charlie Lee, I think looking at Lee and Clay, their performances of late are not, not too dissimilar to the ones that Simpson and Easton put in in our last promotion season. You know, you know, solid players supporting the attack, you know, cleaning up the loose ball, getting it out wide. You know, that's what we need at this level. We need an engine room. You know, they've got to go forward and, and defend. And uh, I, I think that everyone's more than happy with the way they're performing. In, in, in fact, I'll go as far to say that um, Craig Clay's performance has gone up 50%. I mean, if, if you, I was one of the people last over the summer was quite disappointed we never signed Ibo Adams because I thought he was you know, just what we needed in that engine room. But you know, the way that Lee and Clay have come back, you know, you'd say we're not missing him. Um, the criticism, though, coming from from Justin, and it's probably come well. It's come from me during the season as well. Is it's converting dominance in, into goals, and Orient has struggled to do that at times. Um, Justin referred to the front two as wasteful. Um, do you think Bon? It's, it's harsh to say it. We're going ten games unbeaten. Do you think Bon and Karoma have misfired to a certain degree? I think McCauley Bon. He's the kind of player who will score a fantastic header or volley and miss a sitter from four feet. I mean, last season he ended up with 25 goals, but if we were being super critical, like we like to be, he should have got 35. And he'd probably be saying the same. But again, he's getting into position to miss those chances. Chrome is still a young player. I mean, I, I've, we've seen him obviously come through at the time at the end of the Bichetti area where he got that hat-trick at Newport. But the thing about him, he's improving all the time and he's going to miss chances. And if you think about his all-round games improving as well, the, he, the way he set up the second one for Bond the other night, that was probably just as important as him missing the chance maybe because he used his head there, put a nice ball across the six-yard box, Bond scored it. I think if he'd have had that opportunity towards the end of last season, he might have even taken a shot. And that's what you've, you've got to realise that Bon and Karoma are still relatively relatively green when it comes to league league football playing the full season. That will come. And I think that's one of the reasons why Alebi was signed is because if it, if it's not working, then he can you know, Edinburgh can change it round. But um I wouldn't say they're misfiring, but it's obviously something they've got to work on in, in training. It once they get the once they get a few more goals between them, it will, it will click. I'm, I'm sure they're not far away. I mean, it is important, though, to take advantage uh, when you're on top, Matt, and it's it's something that's caught Orient out a couple of times this season. It is, yeah, and I think I think it's one of those things, Chris. You, you'll only actually know how important things like yesterday's result were when, when we get to the business end of the season. If we end up missing out on the top spot by 
two or three points, it'll be things like the Halifax game. People will talk about, well, that would have been the extra two points. So, I mean, as you know, as Jamie and as I think a lot of people have said on you know social media and 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 the like, is that at least we're creating the chances. And I think what's important, perhaps, for our front two are not quite scoring the amount of goals they they probably could or should do is that everyone else is chipping in so these are goals from set pieces the centre-backs your James Dayton's your Joby McEnough's and then obviously people like Matt Harold and James Alarby coming off the bench and, and, and popping up with a you know a goal or two so it, it you know what you really look for I suppose really and, and the front two um, it would it would help them relax a little bit more is if they do have a few goals around them keep creating the chances and and and, and as Jamie said it, you know I, I think Sooner or later, something's going to click, and we might actually give someone a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a spanking. But um, you know, whilst you're still scoring goals each game and keeping the clean sheets at the other end, or you know, to a minimum one, then we're going to be scoring points. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be winning the majority of games, and we will stay within the top, hopefully, the top one, two, three positions. Um, looking at the um, the goal yo yesterday, and um, well, Orient almost well, Orient almost paid for it, and in, in probably in their point of view, they've they've paid for not scoring those goals earlier on one mistake and well it was a catalogue of errors actually and an and Orient are behind what did you make of the penalty um, I saw it this morning actually and I thought I thought it was one of those it, 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 I mean Justin obviously said that it was on, on the radio commentary yesterday um, our guys said they thought it was I think it was a bit of a funny angle that I've seen it on this morning. It, it looked, because I wasn't convinced yeah it looked quite soft it, it did look quite soft I think it's one of those possibly where if you see it from a, a, a front or, or back angle Ekpateta probably does catch the guy. I think maybe he's, he's looking for it as well. The ball's going away from him, so he's not got a lot on there to to turn the ball back in. But actually, what I said in in the in the build up to that that particular goal, just a few seconds, be, you know, a few seconds before that, it was a clear push on the back. I think it was Clay going into there. It was a clear push on one of the one of the Orient guys, um, and the referee. Okay, he probably doesn't see it from his point of view, but you know, swings and roundabouts and and. I think Epiteta this year has has, has shown, uh, you know, a maturity above his years. I think he's done very, very well. He's still going to make mistakes. He, he made a mistake at the Gateshead game and he made a mistake where, uh, you know, the guy got on the wrong side of him yesterday. But that's that's for him to learn and for people like uh, Josh and people like Dean to talk him through that. And I think they'll get better and better and he'll, he'll eradicate those mistakes. So it's a little bit frustrating when it's, you know, it's a penalty that maybe could, couldn't have been, could, couldn't have been. Um... But then again, Chris is one of those things. If they don't score a penalty, do we do we get a 90th minute, i.e. winner or equaliser? You know, are we driven on because we are one nil down? So I think it swings around about or something like that. But you know, you know, when you come back from that with only 15 minutes to go, you, you can't complain too much. No, and I'm, I'm looking at Marvin. Marvin has been <coughs> he's been absolutely brilliant since he's come into the side for George, and I don't think you can make much of an argument for George slotting right back into that team when when he comes back available I think Marvin's got the place to lose but um, as Matt alluded to there he is a little bit green at this level and that does show a couple of times when he gets caught the wrong side but what are you expecting from a National League player? Exactly I mean don't forget you know less than a year ago he was playing at a lower level than he is now but the, the, the thing I like about him he gives us a little bit of pace in the back and he's also when he gets a chance his distribution isn't too bad I, I, I like the way he's, he's, he's teamed up with Josh Coulson Again, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Zach Wani. And if you, if, if you look, at, look at the team now, there's 
a couple of pairings that like, <coughs> bring memories back of the 2006 promotion side when you had Mackie and Zakwani in the, in, in the centre of defence. You've got Simpson and, and Lee, sorry, sorry, Lee and Clay. They're protecting our defence and going forward like Simpson and Easton used to do. So it's it, it's quite nice to see like a young player coming through very quickly and playing with a certain amount of confidence and giving the team confidence. I mean, that's what we've kind of lacked in our de defending for a long time. If you look at the goals we were conceding this time last year, and they were horror shows, we are actually a lot difficult, a lot harder now to bully. Especially if you're like a centre forward, we used to get bullied all over the place last season. Ekpeteta, you know, he's a bit of a warrior. I mean, I like the way he gets stuck in. And you're right. I mean, there's two or three times that he has been caught unaware, but. You know that's going to come with experience and playing more games. I, I don't, I don't think he's got 20 league games, you know, under his belt yet. So hopefully, if we can keep those two at the centre of our defence, we'll, we'll have a good season. And it is very telling that, that when you watch uh, some of the game yesterday, it's how much he's having an influence at the other end of the pitch as, as well, Matt. I mean, a number of chances that fell to him yesterday that. Perhaps you wish it had fallen to other people, but he scored a couple of crucial goals already, and he's he's in the right he positions. <clears throat> I think actually, I mean, when you when you see him go up for set pieces, uh, it reminds me reminds me a little bit of a, a sort of a Leo Fortune West or a uh, you know that type of play. He's he, you know he's very very leggy, very you know sort of his arms are everywhere. He's you know he, and he's a difficult customer to play against. Either as a as Jamie said last year, the amount of times we got bullied. Uh, you know, even when even when it was George and Josh there, you know, and and, and we shouldn't have been, and the, and the defence looked so flaky as a unit. Um, didn't give the goalkeeper behind them much, you know, much confidence. Um, unfortunately for Sam and for Charlie, there wasn't much confidence from them into the back four. So, you know, like Jamie said, you know, I mean, what's he played? Fifteen, you know, fifteen, sixteen games maybe. Um, you know, he looks, you know, he, he looks very much the sort of player that you would want to bring an experienced type player down from the league so he'll stick their head in but can play a bit of football. Um, he does worry me a bit when he gets the ball down and wants to go on these sort of mazy runs but, you know, he seems to be growing into the role very, very much so and he, even to the point where you would actually sometimes you would actually question who's the more experienced centre-back, him or him or Josh Coulson. And, and as you say, you know, into, no disrespect to George, if George was fit today, there's, there's no way George is getting back in that side ahead of him. No way. And it's, uh, it's, we've talked about character with that team, but as much as it's about character, it's about the fitness side of it as, as well. And the late goals are becoming a little bit of a trademark this season, the benefit maybe of all that pre-season work. And as Charlie Lee was quoted a week or so back, he thinks Orient uh, the fittest team in, in, in the league. And we were discussing before, I would like to know what the stats are for the goals in the last 10 minutes, because it, it seems to happen quite a lot for Orient. I, I think I read this morning on one of the social media posts that we've got 50% of our goals in the last 15 minutes or so this season. And if that doesn't tell you how fit and motivated we are, I don't know what can. And I think you only have to look at someone like Joby McInnes' performance the other night. All right, he didn't have the greatest game against Solihull. But I can tell you with five minutes to go, he was tracking back their full-back. And for a guy who's pushing 37, he was doing fantastic. So that probably just tells you where we are fitness-wise. I think that's one thing we kind of missed last year and it, it, we, we paid the price. You know, we, When we came back, you know, we, we didn't know we'd have a club last summer. 
we put together a squad very quickly and you know, everyone said we'd never had a, se- a, a season, you know, not pre-season. And uh, I think that was kind of proved, proved right as we went through towards Christmas. You know, we were looking leggy, you know, un- you know disjointed. It didn't look like we had a, a sprint in us. And then you come and see how we're playing this season. And, you know, even the second goal we scored the other night, if you have a look at it, go and see the sprint McCauley Bond makes to get to, get, to the, get to the penalty area for that ball. Fantastic sprint there. And that's what, with about 10 minutes to go? You know, that's, you know that's, that's done on the training part and on the field. You know, that actually shows you where we are as a, as, as a team now. We're, we're, we're fit and motivated. I mean, just to throw another stat out there is, is the Matt Harold stat that his goals at um, Brisbane Road this season, he scores a goal every seven and a half minutes uh, <laughs> is, is how it's going. So that's, again, an element that the guys coming from the bench are, um, are able to really take advantage. And um, you've got to be delighted for uh, James Alabi as well because he hasn't burst out of the blocks at the O's. So that was a great little goal for him to get him out. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's been a, a pretty tough start for him. And then obviously I think he... He's well aware his sending off was completely down to him. It was a silly challenge, and I think he felt he, you know, he let himself down and the team and the fans down. Um, yeah, when, when, when we signed the guy, I mean, obviously he came with a pedigree from the year the year before that, uh, year, before, year before the last one. Tramery had a bit of a bad time. He did score was it 18, 19 goals for Chester. So he obviously has done it one season at this level, and and I think. When you look at James Alabi, sure, you know his strength probably is in the physical side of, of his game, and he, you know he can do what we were just talking about. About he can bully some of the defences, whether that's coming on at you know 60, 70 minutes and an Atari defence. And and the thing is, Christian, you know you, Jamie Jamie's alluded to you know when you look at that year we got promoted in two thousand and six. Uh, I think Gary Alexander scored about 18, Jamie, something yeah. like that. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a score with 25, 30 goals. It, you know, so this is where you need, you know, James Alabi. I'm sure we can get promoted, whether that happens to be playoffs or, or the top spot, with someone like James Alabi scoring seven, eight, nine goals, just as Matt Harrell could. And, you know, but what he needs to do is perhaps work on, uh, you know, when he comes on, you know, he's a physical presence. You know, you run the channels, you, can, you know, if you're winning a game, you can hold the ball up, you know, you can drag people out into areas they don't want to be. And that's probably just as much more his game as opposed to McCauley or Josh Gromer scoring, you know, more goals than he would. So, you know, he, but yeah, very pleased for him because obviously, you know, that's going to give him a bit of confidence and, you know, it's fantastic. Then it, it, it keeps everyone on their toes, competition for places up, up the top of the park. Uh, now to touch on Dean Brill, I think everyone was everyone in the press box on, on Tuesday night was a little surprised that in a three 0 win, the man who gets man of the match is um, is the goalkeeper, and it was well deserved on Tuesday night, and a crucial save for him late on again yesterday when it's at one all and he tips the ball over the bar. That there, there's another man who's um, saved a number of points for it, and. I'll just go back to Tuesday night. There were some fantastic saves, and one we managed to palm onto the post and then onto his face and out, and it's it's incredible. I think uh, Dean Brill against Solial was probably his best game he's played for the club. He followed up with uh, a couple of decent saves yesterday to keep us in the game, um, and it's a gr- it's a bit of a fairy story for him. I mean, this time last year he was a semi-retired goalkeeping coach, and now nine months on, he's like. He's Orient's number one keeper, and he's he's seen off two younger lads who've got great potential, and he's brought to our defence I think a stability which we were crying out for. Um, is is the odd one or two wobbles, but all goalkeepers have that. 
But the thing I like about Dean Brewer is that he just talks to his defence. And, and I know everyone likes the, the telly saves and everything like that, but I mean, if you talk to your defence right away through the game, I'm telling you, it just saves a lot of work further on down the line. And I'm, I'm really impressed with him the last two or three weeks. I think he's been uh, great for us, to be quite honest. Uh, Justin went with an unchanged starting eleven for the sixth consecutive game, and it, it's a little bit of a conundrum, isn't it? Um, Justin said he's wary the amount of game time and travelling, but also aware that players are playing as well as they are, then they don't want to be taken out of the team and, and probably shouldn't. Yeah, I think it's it, you know we're getting to a point now, Chris, where it's a you know it's a nice headache for the manager to have. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know we've got we've got people ready to come back in. We've got Gorman coming back off in the national duty pretty soon. You'll have George. You'll have. James Brophy coming back in. We've got the guy from Palace. The guy from Palace yesterday was, you know, left out completely. So, you know, what a, what a nice headache to have. And, and and I think Jamie sort of said something like that earlier, is that how nice it is that after, this is probably the first time in four years that we can concentrate on the football. We've got a, we've got a side that's winning games. Everything seems to be going okay. The feel-good factors back around the club, the, you know, the, the, the players, the management staff seem to not know how to lose games. You know, everything actually is... It's almost sitting too well for Leighton Orient, really. It's, you're sort of wondering where it's going to go wrong. But and, and and actually, I said, you know, that's the that for me will be the big thing is that when we do lose a game, because you know, we, I think we're mad to think we're going to go 46 games unbeaten. When we do lose a game, that will be the test of character as to how you come back. And if you can, you know, if that happens to be next week, if you come back three or four weeks after that and get a couple of wins and another draw, I think that tells you a lot more about the type of season we're going to have and a lot more about the character of the side. Obviously, you don't want to lose. Of course you don't. We want to keep the unbeaten run going as you know, as far as we can. But I think that will tell us a lot more about where Leighton are going this year when we finally do lose a game and how we respond to that you know, in the two or three games after. Well, 10 games unbeaten. And for an Orient fan, absolutely uh, amazing. From the perspective of fanzine editor, is this a bit of a headache, 10 games unbeaten? Uh, it is, yeah. I mean, it's... it's, it's uh, especially, like I say, after... After almost four years of writing god awful editorials and and front covers that were just doom and gloom, and you know you sort of this is great. I can actually write about some you know we're winning football games and four thousand seasons they get older or very close to, and everyone's got smiles on their faces, and you know it's I've almost forgotten how to how to how to write a, a positive editorial. So uh, no, it's great. We'll have to um, uh, pandemonium goes in for. A, deadline tomorrow so I haven't actually got a front cover this at the moment I've got to go home and come up with one so we'll have to come up with a suitable one for the for the 10 games I'm beating although saying that as Jamie well knows the trouble the curse of the fans is you do that and I know what'll happen against Barnet next week yeah. so well that was uh, I think that was my curse on, on Tuesday night the first time I've been up on, on Tuesday night and I, I said Problem is, if I come up tonight and then we lose, I'm going to be banned from the stadium <laughs> for the rest of my life. So um, it, it worked out uh, somehow. Um, Thor on the forums asks, um, in your official uh, capacities as either current or previous fanzine editors, uh, how tense is the relationship between the brands and did you ever clash over content or over any exclusive interviews with players or managers, Jamie? No. I think the only time we clash is when we had our terrible football matches over Hackney Marshes <laughs> and uh, we still not beat them. So that's about the only time we clashed. I just think we did our own thing. I mean, what we normally used to do, we just normally in, in, interviewed the same people, but about six months either way, really. If we were lucky, we managed to grab hold of uh, a player to interview or something. I think Matt did more current players. We just like ended up interviewing people who'd left for some reason. So, yeah, we, there, was, there was no major clashes or anything. It was just like, because I think Pandemonium and Orient here come out on a different 
uh, dates. So uh, Matt does, you know, gets more issues of pandemonium. Matt is probably about eight or nine issues a year where we were about six. We weren't that motivated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there surely must have been a certain amount of friendly rivalry, though, between two. But you, you, you want to outsell the Orienteer, don't you? No, uh, I, 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 <laughs> we would never, and, and Jamie knows this, we would, we, would, we would never outsell the Orienteer. I mean, I've, I've always said, Chris, you know, I mean, there's, you know, there's been a few jokes along the way about a rivalry, but, you know, uh, uh, I say, when I say this, I say the old Orienteer, I know the old Orienteer sort of crew, more, more than the sort of the new, younger, vibrant orienteer, and you know, and I've known Jamie for years, I've known Tom for years, and people like Dave Knight for years, and you know, there never was a, there never was a rival. I mean, Jamie says obviously, you know, now he's, 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 he's given me a lovely intro. I have to say that Pandemonium are probably the only ever unbeaten or only ever football side with three wins out of three. So I think we retired mm. after that with a hundred percent record. But you know, we, we, we never. In all the, you know, Orienteer is a fantastic, uh, I, I, I don't want to use a brand, yeah, it's a fantastic fanzine, one, one of the oldest, um, you know, I think second oldest in the country, is it, James? It second, is, yeah. uh, Apparently so, and and I, I believe uh, for my sins, I'm the single longest running editor of a paper fanzine. And, you know, for a club like Orient, with, with, you know, with that, to have two paper fanzines still going in this day and age, I think is absolutely fantastic. Um you know, I, I worked with Jamie and Tom and a couple of us in the in the the last crisis before one back in sort of '94, '95, and we were going bust. And we worked because there was no social media those day those days, and we we worked very very hard together as two fanzines to sort of drum up people to come to the stadium. So, you know, there, I can't. You know, there never has been uh, you know uh, any problem between Orienteer and, and and Panda. You know, for as for as long as both have been out. Uh, talking is still going. Happy birthday to Keith Fault, whose birthday it was on, on uh, Friday. Thanks for listening, uh, and apologies for that terrible link that I just did. Um, the under-18s faced a trip to Northampton Town yesterday in the Youth Alliance South East. Uh, the O's came into the match with a record of three losses and a draw. That's following a 2-1 defeat to MK Don's Old Chigwellians on Tuesday. Uh, Jordan Adeyemi with the goal. Unfortunately, uh, Orient struggles continued. They're still without a win as they lost 5-1. Uh, Jack Dowdy scoring four as Northampton uh, topped the table. The O's next face AFC Wimbledon at home on Saturday in the league uh, that is with a 10.30 kickoff. Uh, today Orient women were in action away at Stevenage in National League South East Division 1 or Orient lost at uh, 3-0 at home to Cambridge in their last league match taking their record to 1-1 and lost one uh, putting Orient 8th. However the O's did manage to bounce back with a 5-1 win at Swindon Town Ladies in last weekend's FA Women's National League Cup determining round uh, despite playing with two part-time keepers. Um, Stevenage had also 1-1 and lost one league match and sat 7th uh, level on points with the O's. The hosts had lost 6-1 at Billericay Town in their last league match and followed it up with a 4-1 uh, defeat at home to Cardiff City in the National League Cup. Uh, Orient of course lost to the same opposition in last season's uh, first round. Uh, Orient had won the corresponding match against Stevenage last season 2-0 for a 2-all draw in the reverse. But we're missing uh, Egil Trezzi and uh, uh, Catherine Canavan with Leia Basta uh, available for the final time this year, subsequently moving to New York for three months. For Stevenage, uh, Nicole Lemmings was the one to watch with four goals in three matches. Uh, but just to mention, uh, a great performance uh, by Orient today. They managed to pull out a 2-0 uh, victory um, against Stevenage. Lisa Fulgent scoring both those goals. 
Um, they have a busy week as well, hosting Billericay Town on Wednesday night. That's before travelling to uh, Denham United on Sunday. Uh, now, uh, Orient confirmed on Thursday that David Mooney has left the club by mutual consent. Uh, Moon's joined the O's for his first spell in July 2011 and became a key part of Russell Slade's side that were a penalty away from the championship in 2013-14, scoring a combined 39 goals that season alongside Kevin Lisby. Uh, Moon's left the club in 2015 but joined the O's for a second spell in 2017 under the new regime scoring six goals last season. Uh, Mooney leaves Orient with a record of 57 goals in 206 uh, appearances and Jamie truly a great servant to the club. Well, yeah. Um, very strange, really, to, to see him see him go. I thought he'd be around for a little while longer, to be quite honest. It's always nice to have someone like him in reserve should it need needs arise. Um, yeah, I think, obviously, we saw the best of him during that time he combined with Kevin Lisby, I think as, as, a, as a forward pairing, Lisby and Mooney were fantastic for us and they just seemed to click, they had a good rapport on the pitch. I mean, if you look at some of the goals and I was looking at um, the highlights of the Peterborough League game from 2013, I mean, he's it, a, fun, a funny fish, um, Mooney. Some of, the, some of the misses he's had over the years would like make your hand, hair stand on end. But some of the goals he's got, he's probably one of the best instinctive finishes I've ever seen. You know, give him little time to think what he's doing. And some of the finishes are tremendous. I think he got a chip at Swindon one year. And um, the, the two goals he got in Peter, Peterborough in that aforementioned game were fantastic. And um, his, his goals were the bedrock of that near-miss season, along with Lisby. And I think, obviously, when Lisby's fitness went at the end and... I don't think he was ever really the same threat for Orient, but you know, he's a great a great club man for Orient. I'd say you know, always got time for the supporters. You know, always have a word for you outside the supporters' club. Um, I think that this league he's in it might just be a little bit too physical for him, and I think Justin's looking for something a little bit more than he can offer at the moment. That said, though, I I'd, I'd, I'd personally I'd kept him for a little while longer, but. Justin's the boss, so... I mean, uh, your thoughts on on the developments, uh, Matt, this week? Um, yeah, like, you know, like Jamie says, uh, you know, first first and foremost, he's, he's a lovely guy. I've chatted to him on many occasions. Um, you know, he, he, I wouldn't say he quite get the legend tag. You know, uh, for me, that's that's quite a strong word to use, but he's, you know, he's, he's pretty close to. He did have that fantastic season, as Jamie said. And, and, and as Jamie said, some of the... Some of the goals he scored, uh, you know, I liken him a little bit to a, you know, Robert Taylor from the early nineties. Yeah. He he really does have a very clever footballing brain, you know, and and I think, again, as Jamie says, and I, I would agree, I, I think unfortunately for David, he, he's almost too bit of a clever footballer for the conference. You know, it's, it can be quite a physical, sort of tough league to go through. I would I would have kept him, um, you, you know, uh, and that that's um, you know not on sentiment side, if, if you know. Um, Football inside, I would have kept him because I think he would have been a clever player to bring off the bench in certain games. But you know, then again, you know, there's, there's, there's not much sentiment in football these days, unfortunately. And you know, we don't support David Mooney FC. We support Leighton Orient FC. Players will come and go, whether they happen to be, you know, uh, you know, a one-hit wonder or, or there for years. So you know, shame he's gone, but you know, we have to move on. And 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 you know, we wish him all the best wherever he ends up. And he was showing his skills in pre-season with some of those chips that he was he was pulling out in some of the friendly games. Yeah, and and, that, and that's why I said I, I I personally would have you know maybe at least seen it through to Christmas because 
uh, you know, although, it, God forbid, if we do get some, you know, some injuries, obviously we can bring other people in. But I think, I think uh, very much as, a, as I alluded to with, with uh, James Alabi coming on and being a physical presence, I think someone like a David Mooney, maybe if you're winning the game, um, you know, who likes to drop deep, who, who can pick a pass. I think, you know, just so much is a, a physical presence would, would knock defenders out, you know, where they're tired and they're a bit leggy. I think if you've got a David Mooney who's being very clever, and you know, you've got to remember there are some clever players around him, people like Joby McEnough and James Dayton. You know, it's not that there's no one on David Mooney's wavelength. I think, you know, maybe when you're winning a game, one, you know, just by the just by the single goal, you know, a David Mooney coming on with 20 odd minutes to go, you know, might have seen the game through. But you know, as as Jamie says, Justin Edinburgh is the you know the boss. He's got the he's got the A license, so he seems to know what he's doing. We haven't lost a game yet, so you've got to place your faith in him. I think Mooney's also one of those players who play better in a good side. If it's a struggling side, he tends to be a little bit exposed, I think. I think he, he, the, the, the pressure might get to him a little bit. But he, you know, when, when he's in a good side, you've got to remember that, that, that season when he was scoring his goals, he had Cox and Moses Ejibayo providing the ammunition. You know, if, if, if you're playing with three other players like out front, I mean, he's got... Is it 50-odd goals? 56 goals. 56 he, goals. He hit 50 before he um, left uh, the O's I mean, that, that is not a bad strike, right? One one every four game for a striker is so, a pretty good... Compared to James to some of the ones we've seen. Yeah, I, think James, I don't think James <laughs> Scowcroft would be in that kind of um, company. But no, I think for, for what he did for him, I think that's a pretty good return. Well, well I'm... Matt touched on it there, and it probably not reaching legendary status for Matt. Where, where does he rank in sort of the history of Orient, do you think? Well, it's just quite difficult to, to say. I mean, obviously, he's was, he was an integral part of that near-miss side from, from four years ago. Um, difficult to compare. Oh, God. Not quite in the Cole Griffiths kind of category, but probably, probably a little bit... I don't know, what would you say, Matt? I'm, I'm well, I think, I think we've, well, we've both said, Joe, I mean, if you look at the amount of strikes we've had that you would cross off the list immediately. And, and there's been a lot. And there's been a lot. You know, I mean, like I said, I mean, you know, from my point of view, I think legend is one of those words bandied around a bit too easy these days. So yeah. I think he's, you know, he, 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 David is not a legend at the Orient, but he, he starts to come close to, he's certainly at the top of, you know the list going going to Wolves legendary status. I mean, when you think of the, you know, some of the strikers, some like you know, before, obviously before mine and Jamie's day, but that we would have seen. Um, you know, so you talk about your Carl Griffiths. You know, some people would disagree with me, but I, I always thought Gary Alexander was a fantastic forward. Yeah. You know, Lee Steele. Um, yeah. You know, maybe maybe David Mooney comes somewhere like a, you know a Jabbo. Uh, you know, Jabbo was a, a fantastic forward on his day, and 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 probably the same type of mercurial type player yeah. and, and and that sort of thing and you know but I, I think he'll be you know he'll be missed more for the you know yes his goals but more for the person he was as well yeah. you know he's a fantastic guy fantastic guy well, what uh, impact do you think he had in, in in the fact that he was signed obviously very early on last season what 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 do you think that did for signalling to the fans and, and the atmosphere around the club he became club captain of course as well I, I think last summer was basically an exercise in getting some experience in, in back into the club. And I think signing someone like Dave Mooney obviously got people's minds back to better times. You know, so we're starting again, you know, Dave Mooney's back. 
Joey McEnough came back. And you've got to remember, about that, at that time, we had, I think it was nine kids on the books. I mean, we, need, we needed experience in. And if you wanted two solid professionals in to guide the kids at the very least, you know, and they're being available, you'd, you'd get them back, no problem. And I, and I think that was a quite smart move there for Martin Ling at the time. And obviously we, we recruited a few more other players, more experienced players as we went along. But it, it, I think it was just more of a signal that, you know, or in the back, you know, we've got a couple of old faces back who've done it for us in the past, you know, come back and support us. Um, so, I mean, we, we talked about a few Mooney moments. What do, what do you think the, the, the one defining moment do you think will be? Um, for me, I think probably... I would say I, I probably picked two. Either his header against Yeovil um, in the, in the uh, I was about to say Freight Rover. Cross that's going back, oh, isn't it? Blimey, yeah. <laughs> in whatever whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Auto, no, not, <laughs> not even that. No. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think we, we had a player sent off that night, and I think everyone, you know, Yeovil and uh, as I tweeted, I think everyone thought we were going to lose that game, and he pops up with a, an absolutely fantastic header. The shirt comes off, and mm-hmm. there's you know thirty or forty from the west side on the on the edge of the pitch. And then I think um, I would say, um, uh, as Jamie said, that league game at Peterborough, which was, which was for me, that was about the most complete away performance I think I've ever seen of an Orient side. It was, it was just, it was, it was like not watching the Orient. And I think it was his. Did he get two? Did he, did he, he scored got two? two. I think it was a, a sort of a, a half volley from the side where he ran the into the corner one. and it, and and and. That that goal, I say, to, you know, bearing in mind he's only you know there he's a League One player to score that. If you, if that was a, a Messi or Ronaldo to score that, we'd all be raving about how brilliant a goal it was. You know the technique to keep the ball down, um, you know, to score through what was a you know a little bit of a crowd of players there and, and to hit the bottom corner, mm. um, you know. So so two memories from me there. Yeah, the Oval the Oval game him scoring and the Peterborough away. League game. He had a fantastic volley earlier before we scored that first game, uh, first goal when he just kind of chested it and in one move and just like unleashed the volley from the edge of the box and mm. crashed off the crossbar. Yep. And if that had gone in, you know, you're talking about goal of the season. Yeah. But yeah, um, that would be my highlight. For, I mean, the actual game, as Matt said, the, the game was probably one of the best or in a way games I can ever remember against a very good team, you've got to remember. Mm. And, and I, I thought that that kind of epitomised his his contribution to the club. Um, exciting news this week, uh, the Brea Group Stadium is going to host uh, an England C uh, friendly in October. Uh, the non-league three lines will host Estonia under-23s in a friendly on Wednesday, uh, the 10th of October with a 7.45 uh, kick-off. Uh, price is very reasonable as well. Adults £5 with 65 plus and under-18s going free. And uh, what a great chance to potentially see uh, Josh Caroma and Sam Ling. And uh, who knows, maybe Miles Judd and Marvin Ekpetito um, pull on the England jersey. There's plenty of... Um, Plenty of young talent in the Orient squad that would uh, love to represent England uh, under lights at Brisbane Road. Um, in another development this week, it was announced on Thursday that Orient have terminated their agreement with uh, outside event catering with immediate effect. Uh, Danny Macklin uh, has said that the standards offered are completely unacceptable. We will now be working very closely with our new external catering partner to improve service, value for money and product quality. Uh, the club will continue to search for a cost-effective ventilation solution. It's the first time you've ever heard that phrase used on the Orient 
Now, a cost-effective ventilation solution uh, to be able to provide a variation in offering. At present, the food offering is restricted without ventilation in the concession areas, meaning many items cannot be paid fresh. I'd also like to thank fans for their patience shown to date and ask for that to continue for the next few games while necessary improvements are made to equipment. Uh, this does all mean, though, that there will only be a limited menu available for Saturday's home game against Barnet. Well, it's another thing of um, the fans spoke and the, um, the hierarchy listens. They did. Um, it's quite a strange thing that's gone on there because when Danny Macklin took over, one of the first things he did was change the caterers. And I think we went for gourmet burgers and paying two quid for a cup of coffee, which is, uh, you know, not major, but, you know, for a couple of instants, not great. Um, I think catering has always been a problem at football grounds and we've made plenty of jokes about it over the years. I think we had the same thing 20 years ago when uh, Leighton Orient's food was found to be the worst in the country and Barrio came on and frightened it out. Uh, the fact that it ended up like a, an extra out of the Alien film is like <laughs> neither real or there. But um, there's always going to be a problem with this kind of thing. I mean, if you look at the East Stand, I mean, the, the outlets go back to the arc. Let's, let's, be, let's be honest. And I think Danny Macklin's got two choices here. Either way, either, he either goes around and completely refurbishes all the outlets, like stadium-wide, to get him up to where he wants to go be. And also, you might even have to think about employing your own staff to do the catering because one of the complaints we always get is that when the people come in, they just use casual staff, they haven't got a clue. The only problem with that is both of those options are going to be expensive. I mean, when you're talking about employing your own staff, you're talking about you know doing pensions and all that kind of stuff. So to be quite honest, that would probably be a non-starter. But I think the one thing Danny might have to do is just like say, let's have a complete refurb of the food but the thing is I mean it's, it's, it's difficult I mean most most football fans have a pre-match routine right? they either go to a calf or a pub and they normally roll up at the ground at about 20 to 3 and go in and maybe get a swift beer and then you've got half time and you've got, tw- you've got a 20 minute window to run down queue up get your food and eat it before the action starts again and it, you know, you're always going to be on the loser really no one is going to be 100% happy with it. Um, the thing is, we're, the club owners at the moment are, are, are pushing things on all fronts and they are to be applauded. They are trying to improve the match day experience for everybody. I mean, even Orient and winning a few home games, what more do you want? But that's the way, you know, if, if that's the way we're going, it, it, it's quite a, a serious thing to, to, to take on board. I mean, you, you want everything to be a good, a good all-round experience. I mean, if, as long as you, you, you've got decent food, you don't have to queue up 30 minutes to get your coffee or your burger, whatever it is. And as long as you've got that, you, everyone's happy and they're not paying too much, you know, as long as they're not paying too much money for it as well. So I think Danny's got a lot on his plate at the moment. Sorry about the pun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it has been a long running saga, hasn't it? The catering at Leighton Orient. It, it has. I mean, like Jamie says, and I think, uh, I think Chris, you could probably go to a number of grounds where... People say the catering's terrible, and uh, uh, it was it was funny because someone someone pointed out to me a couple of years ago. They actually said, you know, uh, you're going to get a burger or a hot dog at three forty five on a Saturday afternoon. Well, who would actually go and get a burger or a hot dog at three forty five on a Thursday afternoon? It's, 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 it's a little bit strange, but I think look, it's it's fantastic that the club are, are acting on the fans saying that they're, they're not happy. Uh, but as I say, I mean, you know, I think you know. Uh, 
your general football fan, it doesn't have to, the catering doesn't have to be perfect. You know, let's, let's face it, like Jamie says, as long as it's of a reasonable standard, a reasonable price, and you haven't got to queue up for, you know, God knows how long to, to, to get it at half-time or before the game, football fans will be happy. I mean, I, I, I'll take it back to the ex-chief exec, Matt Porter, obviously did a, a fantastic job for a number of years. And he said, he said, if you win on a Saturday, it, the catering could be absolutely terrible. No one, no one will email in. If you lose on a Saturday... He'll have a string of emails where it says tea was cold, burgers were rubbish, or you know, or words to that effect. Or it was fine. You know, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, I think at the end of it, you know, uh, put it this way, you know, let's 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 throw it out there. You know, uh, Orient fans an option. You know, uh, in the last home game of the season, you know, you you've got a win to get promoted, and you know, the burger looks like something that you wouldn't even want to go within fifty yards of. <laughs> You know who's gonna, you know who's gonna, who's gonna, who's gonna mind if you win the game. So, but no, I mean, it, look, it's good that the club, are, you know, are doing things. But as as Jamie said, I think, and because there is this problem, I, I believe, with ventilation about cooking things fresh, is that you know how they get around that. Certainly in the in the west side, I think that's a real real problem in the west end. But as Jamie says, you know, it may be, although it, it you know it has to be cost effective, is that it's probably about time, you know, it, it all got redone. But obviously, that's going to take a. You know, a fair bit of money. So, you know, if Mr. Teague is listening in and he wants to write a check for, you know, some new ventilation, what was it, ventilation systems? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a ventilation system. I'm I'm hearing. uh, I'm hearing cost-effective ventilation solution. I mean, the best, the best, the best catering. I think, and it's, and it's, you know, of of several O's fans uh, will have, you know, spoken about over the years. Uh, and I think Jamie, Jamie will back this up. Uh, was at Kidderminster. They used to do home cooked food, and you could get like shepherd's pie, and and the food there was absolutely fantastic. But I think that's the problem we have with this ventilation thing is that we can't do that at the Orient. So, you know, uh, uh, but look, great that the club are are acting on the fans, you know, sort of uh, feedback and the fans' requests. Um, the only thing I would say on top of that is is that although we did have that last year. This would be sort of with the with the, the fans trust hat on. Is that this is where focus groups, you know, for or fans forums as we used to call them, would be fantastic as a as a, you know as a feedback. Um, but look, we're trying something. You know, we get it done. But look, as long as like Jamie says, if we keep on winning, I'm not going to be too worried about the you know the dodgy burgers at halftime. Um, well, uh, Andy Gilson has uh, arrived at the studio, and yeah, just just enough time to say good night. I think technically, according to the referee on Tuesday night, you are within the three oh, within minutes, the three, uh, three so minutes of after nightmare the journey. And then when you get past the road, all the all the accidents, you, you're behind people who shouldn't be allowed near a set of keys. You know, they're, they're going along at forty miles an hour and a seventy, you know, with their trilby on and a pipe, you know. Yeah, we've oh. read an email from Mr. Oh. F. Baghetti saying, "What time do you call this?" Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, anyway, we'll be um, we'll be doing the recording a little bit of extra, won't we? Uh, well, sure. now Steve's just behind me, about a mile down the road. Okay, all right. Well, we will be talking uh, with Steve Foster and uh, talking uh, all your questions as well. That'll be uh, available on the uh, podcast after the show. But uh, thank you for joining us tonight, and uh, thank you to my uh, two guests tonight, uh, Jamie Stripe and Matt Roper, for uh, stepping in. Uh, we'll be back here, and uh, well, I'm, I'm hearing a very good guest next week. Uh, watch out for that. Uh, we'll be here with your in hour next week so recording a, a little bit of extra uh, orient hour some orient hour extra time due to uh, due to problems on the a12 we'll go with um with uh, steve foster orient chief scout uh, andy gilson uh, still here and uh, well andy gilson joining us he popped in the studio like 
I don't know. It was a spectacular entrance you made. Oh, with the Spanish last... Inquisition, wasn't it? Yeah, Nobody yeah. expects a Spanish Inquisition. Uh, Jamie Stripe and Matt Roper uh, still time. here as well. And um, well, we were talking about uh, on the show um, about uh, Marvin Ekpetita because he um, obviously picked up the Player of the Month for, for August and uh, unfortunately made the tackle that resulted in the penalty uh, yesterday. But... Steve, you scout the lad. T- tell us a little bit about Marvin's strengths. Uh, you're obviously not going to let us know his weaknesses, but tell us a little bit about the strengths. His athleticism is a strong. He's uh, obviously noticeable. You just look at him. He's six foot four. You know, he's a he's a he's a, he's a good presence. He just come on. You know, he's, he's I think the full time training coming in us. He's come on a hell of a lot. I mean, two years ago. I mean, I've I've been watching Marvin for three, four years now probably, when he first came out of um, Oxford, he went into uh, Chelmsford City and he was he was very gangly, uh, not very comfortable on the ball and people kept telling me about him and I was going, yeah, yeah, he's all right, he's all right. But he was never ready for me. I was working for other clubs back then and he was never ready for those levels. But as I say, I kept an eye on him probably two seasons ago and he was just improving a little bit. He was at Concord Rangers then. And then uh, East Farrock, I watched him again at East Farrock towards the end of that season. And then last season, I watched him a couple of times and he just, he was the real deal. And he was like, you know, it was only one level below us then. So it was one of those ones, you know, I was banging on, I was getting on Martin's nerves to be fair, banging on about him. So obviously, from our perspective, we saw Michael Clark went out to, to East Farrock yeah. and then we almost put one thing together and said, well, you spotted this guy well, you're looking at him, but no, you, you were so looking at him. Ma- Marvin was already on my radar, so and I came in well, July, first of July, start of last season. So he, Marvin was already on my radar then. Um, it was just that actually Clark, he was still with us when I was first started going on about Marvin, and he went out afterwards. So and that was when obviously gave other people the opportunity to check him out as well, rather than just take him on my on my say so. David Kerslake went and watched him. Danny Webb went and watched him as well. Uh, Ross and the gaffer went and watched him. So, and they all came back. You know, it was a team. It was a team effort in the end, really. And all our recruitment is really it's close knit. It's, it's it's a team effort. And uh, well, I mean, we talked about the character of the of Orient again yesterday, scoring that that late goal and, and something that's been on show a lot this season. Is is that something that you do you look for particularly when you're scouting? Is it something you can look for character? Oh, most certainly, most certainly, yeah. Um, you look at you know, especially with the lads that we brought in from from the start of last season. You're looking at players like Alex Lawless. Craig Clay, Josh Coulson, James Dayton, they've all got out of, the, out of this league before, so they know what it takes to get out of this league. Um, that was a massive, you know, like a massive pull for them, really. Um, and they are, I'd say, they're good characters. You've only got to look at the, the team spirit when we, you know, when we equalise or when we finish games with our victories to, know, to see the togetherness there. Is it very specific, though, what you're looking for? Because, you know, it's easy enough to say, oh, well, easy enough, but a layman can spot a decent footballer, if you like. Somebody's yeah. got an idea, they know how to address a ball, the, the, the power poise on the ball, etc. You, you know, pretty most people can see that. So there's always something specific that makes you stand out from the average guy in the crowd, if you like, if that's spotting somebody. So the manager, I take it, is very, gives you instructions as to what he's looking for. Uh, to, a, to a certain extent, yeah, to a certain extent. But, I mean, I've... 
So you've got to judge the level, Steve, haven't you? You, I mean, do, you, you, have, you have to judge the level, yeah. Um, That's a difficult part, isn't it? Yeah, you just said Marvin wasn't good enough to, for where you were before at that yeah. time. And now are, in, are obviously non-league. Yeah, so. and it was like... and, it, and But he had, in fairness to him, he'd come on a hell of a lot. And he had 150 games in Conference South, which is a great grounding. I mean, more players should do it. You know, they should go out to... Conference South teams and get their grounding right with them play just under 23 I watch so much under 23 football and it's a waste of time oh, it's not good it's not yeah. good not, not, in my opinion some of it's good some some players rise above it but some of the better players players you, who you would like to you know boss that level you would like I would, I'll see players and they just they just sack it off I was just wondering would you say the standard in non-league is rapidly improving with uh, the likes of some of the bigger clubs releasing their kids and they're drifting into non-league. Do you think it's it's coming up or is it just? There's a lot of poor football. To be fair, I watch a lot of poor football and going back to when I played and it was like I must admit it, it was really really physically tough and and there's there's play. I don't think it some levels aren't as good, but I think you know for the youngsters it's it's a great grounding. Really is a good ground. I'm where were you when you were playing? Where, where did you I play? I played for Canvey. I played for Concord Rangers. And back in the Essex Senior League days. Yeah. Romford, Barkinside, teams like that, really. I was a bit of a plodder, really, to be fair. Yeah, um, but you know that, you know, you know the non-league scene well. Yeah, because yeah. I obviously coached at yeah. that level as well. But um, as I say, it was, for me, I went and watched the game yesterday and I saw a 16-year-old right-back playing in the FA Cup. And he did really well, actually. And... He's one of, you know, I'm going to keep my eye on sort of thing. But it's good to no know, names. Chris, that our scout is out watching games when we're playing because I can tell you, these guys will back me up. <laughs> used to see, he's, he's dead now, I can say what I like, Len Chiefs, right? He used to be at the, the game, didn't he? And you think, well, surely if you're, you're the chief scout, you should be out looking at players, not standing here watching the, the Orient match with the rest of us. But that was the way the club used to Yeah, used well, to I'm, I'm banning myself because the last few, last few home games I've been to, I've been to some stinkers. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm banning myself now. Yeah. Well, talk us through then. What, what is a typical week for you at Orient in, in your role? Uh... Starting on a Monday would normally be under 23 games. I would usually do one at one of the lunchtime kickoffs and one in the evening. Tuesday, I'd normally go to the training ground and then on to a, a game in the evening, usually a non-league game. Uh, Wednesday, just sort of catching up on match reports and probably usually working from home. Uh, Thursday's normally like a day off, but again, I'd be probably... You never switch off anyway, so I say working from home. It's not really a day off, really, as such. And then Fridays, I normally come into the training ground, see the lads, and then go on to the ground afterwards and work with Martin in the afternoon. Yeah, and then um, Saturdays, we're back at games again. So how, how many games are you seeing live, then, typically, in a week? And how many are you watching? Because you I've, must be watching footage from other games as well. I've done five this week, probably. Five like five games live. Um, obviously, there's all. You know, I was watching the the Ebbsfleet Gateshead game last night when I got in from my game. Just to you know, just keep an eye on the opposition, really, seeing if there was anyone standing out at all as well. So your remit is your remit in looking for players, or are you looking at the opposition as well to prepare? My remit is specifically to look at players. Um, I've done some opposition scouting as well. But we have got specified scouts for that. Um, we've got Shane O'Gorman, who's our 
academy head of recruitment. He's been doing a little bit for us. Um, we've also got David, well, David Kerslake uh, was doing it for us, but he's taken on a coaching job in the States for three months. So we're looking to bring someone in, uh, hopefully this week or next week. Um, and then we've got a guy in the northeast, Cole Newton, who's been decent. He gets a lot of good information up in the northeast, and he covers like whole of the north for us. So, so how does the hierarchy then work? Then, so you have the scouts; they all feed in to you. They're, they're the yeah. point of contact, and then yeah. you're feeding up to to Martin and and Justin. Well, it'd be normally they feed in and and they put their report. They would put their report on a system called Y Scout which they normally record games. You can watch videos of games they're in. So they will put that on the system to Scout, and that will go straight to our analyst, Joe Austin. Uh, if there's any bits and pieces Joe needs, he'll either give me a call to get it off the lads or he'll deal with them directly. Um, so uh, as Andy touched on there, I suppose you're watching a game completely differently from, from the way a fan does and you're often watching an individual for 90 minutes rather than... So at a live game, you're maybe not always watching what's happening on the ball. You might be watching positionally. What, I could be a watching a, pl- a player positionally. I, I try to watch. I try to have more than one target if possible. Um, as I say, the games I've been to, there's normally like two or three players at least. I would like to go um, and when I do under twenty twenty threes, I'll do a one to eleven. So anyone who's going to catch me, I'll you know because. The way it is, players falling out of the game. Uh, you you want to get information on all of them, uh, so I might not put all that information on our system, but I've got it all. I've got notes on them. So, or if, I, if sometimes you you don't get no notes and you think, well, they've been pretty anonymous then, so you can rule them out. So, so what sort of thing are you looking for, and what are Martin and Justin looking for in a player? Because obviously, you don't just go around. I've got player ABC, and they're, they're players who don't suit the team at all what, what are they particularly looking out for they'll be looking all the same I'd, we've all got an idea of what we need for this level uh, so it would be someone athletic it's going to be someone who can deal with the physicality of this league because we all see what it's like um, pace I think if you've got a bit of pace I think that that's a big asset in this league a real big asset in this league. Uh, strength under pressure. You got first of first of all, foremost, you can have all the athleticism in the world, but you have got to be able to play football as well. So strength under pressure, dealing with the ball under pressure well, keeping hold of the possession well, uh, technical ability. It's it's a whole you know leadership. How far would you say Marvin's come on since you got him into the into the, the club? The club. Oh yeah. Leaps and bounds. Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was one. He was one. I thought, you know, he's, he's not ready. Uh, he's Quite not yet. ready yet, yeah. but he will be in six, six months, months yeah. sort of thing. But he came in straight away, and in the last season, didn't he, when Josh got injured. Well, sometimes throwing people in, they, they sink or swim, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he, he's obviously swum. I mean, he's, he obviously makes some. He has a tendency sometimes to get the wrong side, but he's learning as uh, as he goes. But, you know, I think at times he also shows a lot of maturity, doesn't he? Oh, he's, an he's, old head, you can see old, him. Old head on young shoulders, he'll really. Come, he'll, like, he comes in, he's, like, he's talking, he's, he's sometimes he's leading the defence, isn't he? And he's guiding the, yeah. the, the defenders. Like when Josh got injured earlier in the, in the season, Dan came in, he was, he was the one controlling the back line. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which is, you know, it's great to have a lad like that with that confidence to step up. And again, that's another byproduct of under academy football. Yeah. I see that and you don't see many leaders in games. You watch an under 18s game or an, and there's, or an under 23s game, there's not enough communication. There's no one going around pointing out his well, teammates. We saw that with Orient last season, didn't we? That you know, once you get too many younger people, there's no leaders and <laughs> look what happens. So, you know. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, listener Les Kay um, has got a couple of questions. Do, do you ever scout goalkeepers or is that a, a specialist field? Do you leave that to, to goalkeepers to scout goalkeepers? I have goalkeepers? done before. I have scouted goalkeepers before when I've been at previous clubs. Um, if someone, if a goalkeeper uh, is, you know, going to catch my eye, I will, you know, I'll make notes of it. Um, it's the way the gaffer feels about Dino at the moment. It's not a priority for us. Uh, young goalkeepers would be to scout a young goalkeeper for us at the moment would be a waste of time to be fair because we got we got Charlie and Sam and young Arthur Janata as well so we've got three good young keepers at the club anyway so we wouldn't we wouldn't be interested in taking an, another one in. So uh, he also asks: Is is there currently uh, is there or is he currently watching another Marvin type player out there somewhere? Um, I think Marvin's got a brother, though, hasn't he? I think Marvel. Marvel, yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's <laughs> no, Marvel. I've seen Marvel. Generally true. They Marvel, were, Marvel, Ecopatito. Marvin and Marvel. Yeah, they were both at Chelm. <laughs> they were both at Chelmsford together. I don't know where Marvel is now. I think he might have gone to Wildstone. Uh, he was at Bishop Stortford last season. They've got another brother. They've got a, a cousin as well called Calvin. He's a striker. Uh, but the twins, Marvel and Marvin and Marvel are twins. But one's six foot four. The other one's only about five foot ten. They, they look completely different. Right. So, but there's always a, there is a player out there you've probably got an, an, your eye on at the, at the time as well. Yeah, it wouldn't be wouldn't necessarily be a Marvin type, um, but there are one or two you can pull out of non-league. Yeah, you got to look you got to look that because everyone's everyone's trying to get in on the act now. So, Steve, how much do you rely on information from parents or clubs, or is it more? Would you say percentage of footwork, just getting out and looking at games and then just picking up a player? Or would you say it's a lot more information based of, of players that have been targeted and said, yeah, he's worth looking at? Information from a parent, I wouldn't really take much notice of, to be fair, because everyone thinks that, that, that a, 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 parent, a parent watches <laughs> one kid every week. Yeah. I'm watching hundreds of kids every week. What about so, from, uh, from actual managers, though, and people within the game? You and, do, yeah, yeah. There, are, there, there is a little bit of that, word of, and there's word of mouth. Um, I don't think there's been anyone really... That's just mainly our own sort of groundwork and just doing, you know, even on so even stuff like Twitter, you know, you're looking around the league websites and you can find you get information. Anyone who's scoring plenty of goals and getting rave reviews. I mean, you you, you would be when you look at it. I mean, the, the story was that when you left Brentford, who you were that that was because. Brentford were going in the more of a money ball direction in the more stats based direction. You you would obviously say that you can't recruit based on that. You need to actually physically see the, the guy as well. Yeah, um that was my that's my view now or then. It still is that to a certain extent. You still need uh, men uh, you know at grass level really. Just just checking, you know, watching you can't do it completely on the stats. I think Brentford have realised that themselves. To be fair, I think that some of their recruitment recently they still use they still use their stats, but they've well, obviously with these. What are stats? You know, sometimes I look at them and I think, well, what 
Yeah, we had a stat. We played at Arsenal's ground. I think we completed 500 passes, and it was a record that season. The most completed passes was by Leighton Orrin, who lost 5 0 and didn't get out of their own half. You know, so what is the stat? You know, oh, completed passes. A stat can be whatever you want yeah, to make there's it. Lots, there's know? loads of differentials. I mean, <laughs> is that worth it goes, it, to be fair, it goes over my head. Well, the only stat that matters is how many goals you got, I think. <laughs> there you there go. is that, and how many wins you get, and, yeah. and that's the most important stat at the end of the season, yeah. how many points you got on the ball. Yeah. Um, mm. But I say Brentford since or since I've left in it, their recruitment's been very good. I mean, when they've picked up the lad Watkins from Exeter, he's doing really well. Um, uh, obviously, Dan Bentley they signed from Southend, which I had quite a big big part on. I did all the the original reports on him, sort of like nearly five years ago now. So, so what are you like you personally? What are you with stats? I mean, you just you you are really more like hands on. You know, I like to see it with my eye. Yeah. I like to see and your, your recommendation is in writing. I think he's good at this. He's good at that. He's good at this. Yeah, that's a bit what weak my here. Would needs be a there. bit of work on that. So, I mean, you're obviously at our level trying to find a rough diamond, if you like. That exactly, just yeah. needs a bit of polishing up. Um, but the, the, the actual product is there. It just needs bringing out. You know. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's quite a lot of that. We um, see like clubs like talk about using algorithms to like source their players and things like that. But t t to me, you got to talk to people who actually know the player. Will it be a good fit for your club and things like that? I think that the stats only tell half the story. Oh yeah, you have to know. Yeah, it has to be fit fit the club. I mean, I get so many emails and you know LinkedIn messages from people recommending foreign players, but you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. why would I want to go with that? No, you're just asking. You're you're you know you're inviting more problems. Mm. Do we still get them turn up at the club? Because we used to get people coming over from the continent and walking into the reception saying, no, "My name's whatever," and I've played and I score 400 goals in. Well, I, I, I certainly remember. I, I certainly remember that under the, the previous era when I yeah. came and I can't remember who I came to interview and there there was two players who'd come down there from. Italy or something and I'm not sure if we bumped into one on Tuesday night at the club was looking for you know does Justin Edinburgh come up here after the game so I don't know if he well, was an agent I or had one years ago actually where I mentioned names which is embarrassing but the manager signed him he hadn't seen him play and he signed him on a on a video I think or a recommendation and it, it came on as a substitute and as he ran down the touchline with the ball you just knew that he couldn't play football but just just the motion of him running you know <laughs> And I think he was on for about 12 minutes, and that was the end of him. He never played again. <laughs> and it was just, you know, you couldn't believe somebody had signed him on his recommendation, you know, but these yeah, well, things that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't happen. Even for like trial-wise, trial uh, if even youngsters, we're getting a lad in on trial, he won't be coming in blind. Um, you know, we've got good scouts at academy level, so anyone's going to come in, they must have done it in a game. For them to, to earn the right, everybody. I think a trial's got to be earned. It's not going to be a favour to someone. Um, so Steve, how's, how's obviously like with the academy side these days with the, the club? I mean, I live over uh, West Middlesex Way in Chelsea. That you know they have oh god, they have so many camps and and you know it's ridiculous the amount of kids they take on. So how's it sort of changed for you when you play now? You're, now you you sort of scouting. There are hundreds of kids obviously being let go every, every year. Um, you know, is that now? Far, are they farming down and coming, or are they just losing touch with football? Or, and how, and how does it work for you? Because there must be hundreds of names you could probably look at, but obviously you're only one person. You can only get to a certain number. Yeah, of names, well, so, so we got I say what Shane, who's in charge of the academy recruitment, he's got a team of scouts who work for him as well. Um, so we're probably at the bottom of the food chain, to be fair. 
Um, the fact that you know, even, we, even though we're a Category Three academy, uh, we're non we're classed as a non-league side. Um, some parents will see that of the during the conference, you know, not having got that football education, they just see us as a, you know, a team that's not in the football league or not in the Premier League, and they will try and pitch them elsewhere. But Bernie, so, we used to have Bernie Dixon. I don't know if you know Bernie. He's Bernie used to say, you know, you can make the bottom of a bottle as big as you want, and these clubs fill up the bottom of the bottle with, you know, it's a Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, with hundreds of these kids. Yeah, but at the, the top of the bottle, when you tip it upside down, it's the same size, and only so many can come out the top. He said, so you've got hundreds of these kids at, the, at these clubs, and and nobody can get out the top of the bottle. Because, yeah. <laughs> so they're not getting seen. They're not getting games. You come to a club like Orion, you know, smaller clubs like that, Barnet, things like that. You got every chance of making it through if if you if you learn and you take on the information and you progress. You've only you've only you got know. to look at the lads who've come through before my time. Yeah. Yeah. And you know it's 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 great and it's a it's a credit to the previous academy. Just staff. to touch on so because we were listening. Obviously, Steve and myself were stuck in terrible traffic coming from Clacton Way tonight. So we were we were chatting to each other as well as listening to the show on the way down, and. You touched on the midfield, just to, to, to digress. Are you surprised at how well Lee and Clay have combined together in the, in the midfield, or were you expecting that? Oh, no, I wasn't surprised at all, to be fair. Charlie, even though Charlie wasn't the signer of mine, Charlie signed, brought him in before I come to the club, but um, I watched Charlie a lot when he was at Stevenage and Peterborough and Gillingham, and he's a quality player. You know, He's got that little bit of... You know, determination about him, but he can play as well. Yeah. Uh, plus that experience. It's uh, and Craig. I said I watched Craig play when he was at Grimsby. Uh, the season they got promoted, saw him a couple of times at Braintree and in the playoffs as well. Um, I think he's brought Clay out, if you like, and into the game. Yeah, it's like an interesting thing with Craig you know? though, because like last season he was um, second up last season. He wasn't playing at his best, but he did have a, he did have a virus, and he come back. He missed a couple of games, but he come back. And because Alex was out injured at the time, and also Charlie was out with his injury, and there was only him and Eber really as the recognised centre midfielders. Yeah. Uh, so he probably played when he you know if we had one other fit, Craig probably would have been rested. He would probably let get back to full fitness, but he played when he wasn't hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've all been very critical, everybody, of the, the centre midfield. And, he, and I've got to say, that, I mean, that, that, I'm that, delighted that, I was wrong because yeah. I honestly, I used to look at Craig and I think I wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't normally say that, but I didn't think he He's, was, I didn't think he was the business. But I've got to say, I agree with what you said on the show, Matt, that he has, and I love it when I'm proved wrong in that way because he's come on leaps and bounds and I think Charlie's a lot to do with that. Yeah. The way that Charlie's a, 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 an attacking midfield, if you like, gets stuck in. All due respect to Alex, he's, he, to me, he, I've always said he plays very deep, and, and, and in a way that's not a good foil for Craig. Obviously, I think and I think Lee and, and Clay work really, really well. Yeah, well, Craig, you Craig's know. he does a lot of the things fans don't see. Sometimes he does, you know, the, the little interceptions, getting you know, winning little challenges, breaking up play, covering ground, get just even just getting in good positions, just to you know. Stop runs. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying I hold my hands up. I'm, I'm delighted Alex, to be I mean, wrong. Alex, <laughs> you know. Alex had a good, really good pre-season, um, and I can see where you're coming from about him about playing too deep and everything. But it, even he had a good pre-season. And first couple of games at the start of the season, he was looking to play forward more, and he was getting forward more. And I think at Salford he had that shot at the post, didn't he? Yeah, he was unlucky with that. And uh, yeah. I think he put a great cross into the far post, 
early in the first half as well. So, so we didn't see much of Charlie Lee, did we, lads? I mean, that was the trouble. We, 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 was, yeah. And now we're seeing him, and he's as as Dicko said to me, Kevin Dickinson, who's obviously knows his onions as well. He's a former Player of the Year and Players Player of the Year at Orient, and he said to me. He's improving and he's getting fitter all the time. He said, I think if you come back in six weeks, as long as he can avoid injury, another six weeks on, and we'll be seeing him even better than he is now. Yeah. And when you go, back to, right. you go back to this time last year, we lost Josh, George and Charlie all around all at the same, same time. time yeah. And that was, that was a huge hole to fill. And, know. and back then, we didn't have... The, that was a new squad as well. We didn't have the strength and depth that we've got now. So... You know, it was very, it was very tough on Steve to be fair at the yeah. time. How long have you been a scout then? It was just I've had come the game reasonably late, really. Uh, I've been doing it five years now. Um, got involved on a voluntary basis with Brentford, mainly because of my non-league knowledge when I was coaching and from playing. And uh, when they just said to me, they said, uh, "How long are you going to be? You know, how, can, how much can, time can you devote to it?" I said, I'll probably do a game on a Saturday and a game on a Tuesday night. I started doing it, and uh, they quite liked my reports I was doing. They invited me in to ask me to do a bit more. And I just got, I got the bug, and I, you know, I, was, I, was, you know, I was, had a full-time job at the time, and I was phoning up sick doing academy <laughs> games and stuff like that. It just, I just got the bug, and it got to the end of that season, and I was like uh, doing a full-time job, plus I've got a little... Side business I do as well, and the scout. You know, I was You're not a DJ or anything. I'll do, 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 do a bit of that. Yeah, I do. I was going to come on to that. DJ Fozzy yeah, I, I, I still do a little bit of that. Actually, I've cut it right back now. But I was, I was literally killing myself like the late Jay nights. Jay Witt's got Disco Dave, and so. Oh really? Yeah, I don't yeah. know him. He's not one of my. He's not one of. In terms of scouting, Steve. So we, like you say, you came to it quite late. It obviously, presumably. Uh, I would say is that what we got just like sort of uh, coaching badges. There's nothing like scouting side of it, is there? Uh, there, there is now. There is talent ID. They've got the FA got talent ID courses, and there's other other companies that are running their own scouting courses. Um, I've done mine with the. I did mine talent ID two when I was with Norwich last time because it's something that the FA is stipulating that all. Uh, scouts at category one and category, category two clubs have got to have at least a talent ID two, level two. Um, there are other levels like level three and a level four, which is director of football staff and head of recruitment. Well, I've got to do that. I've got to do that next year. Were well, they a lot different from the coaching badges? From the uh, is it a lot different or is it the same it type is, of thing? It or? is. No, it's it's, a, it's it's not really telling you how to spot a player. Yeah. It's is it just red tape? <laughs> not so much red tape. There's, there is a lot of it. Um, most of it mainly covers academy scouting. So of all the, not I wouldn't say bureaucracy, but obviously there's a welfare issue, isn't there? Approaching, you, you can't just go up and approach a kid and say, yeah. come and have a trial. It might have been done, it might have been acceptable 30, 40 yeah, years ago. Was, yeah. But nowadays you have to go, and go through the, the club's manager, then to go through the parent and... So it's mainly sort of welfare and yeah. things I mean, like that. You know, years ago it'd be a couple of grand to the dad and, and a couple of grand of this and, well, and no, not the levels I've worked at. Back back in the day, when it, with the with the football league clubs, I mean, up the, up, you know, even when we were leaving school and things like that, you know, the the club would offer 
a 16 year old's dad, you know, four or five grand and, you know, something like Spurs or something like that, you know, that day, it's always, it was done. It was a normal thing in those days. You yeah. know, well, so. you, you mentioned there, obviously, you, you were a non-league scout for Brentford. You went to do London South East scouting for Fleetwood and, and latterly Norwich Academy for the same region. That this is actually, this is your first full time. It's my yeah, first full time job, yeah. So how are you finding this, uh, it's your most senior position and your first full time one now? I'm, love, I'm actually loving it, to be fair. Um, it's one of those things when I was at, at the other clubs and you're always, you want to have a big part in the decision making. Uh, and I was, I was at other clubs, I was, you know, putting up players and, you know, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes they wouldn't get over the line or they wouldn't particularly listen. Um, and I, I, thought, I, I thought I'd sort of earned my spurs a little bit to go and... Know, go and get a full-time role and I, I just wanted that same decision making I mean even now you know it's not my I don't get to say oh, we should sign it you know we, we sign him it's got to go through Martin and Justin yeah, but you've heard the, the trust I've, of those people yeah exactly you? so yeah, I can no, so. I, I, have, I have a big say in the matter which I know which is great and we work really well we get on well um, and I like Gaffer's a real good decisive bloke as well. He makes the decision and he sticks with it, which I really like about him. So, coming into Orient, did was there an influence there? Because obviously you worked for for Brentford. Was was there an influence of getting the recommendation from Dean Smith? Was no, because Dean, Dean, I left when Mark Warburton was manager. Uh, uh, I left to just to go to Fleet. The role at Fleet was just just to further my education because they was going that way at Brent, Brentford. I wasn't getting out to many games as possible. I was watching games on Y Scout on a Saturday afternoon. They was giving me games to watch on like Bundesliga Two, and you know the Dutch Division Two, and it weren't really watching games on 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 a laptop on a Saturday afternoon. It was not for me to be fair. And I normally I was switching it off and watching the racing. Yeah. <laughs> so you really, judge a game because we, we've. I mean, when I've done some voiceover work, Chris, we, we get, we've gone to studios and we we. we maybe voiced over a match that's already taken place. And we did a DVD, just as an example, for the Fulham FA Cup tie a few years ago when Orient won. But the trouble is you can only see what's on the screen. Yeah. So you have to watch a bit of footage, make a note, and, and, and when things pan out a little bit, you know now that there was a player making a run down a, the right. So you, you rewind it and you say, oh, player X is making a run on the right. You can't see it on the screen, but it makes it sound like you're there live. But you can't judge a game on a screen. Yeah. You can only see that little portion of play, so you've got to get out and see the game. Yeah, I mean, I only, did, I only did sort of four months with Fleetwood from sort of February to the May. Um, but it was invaluable because I was just getting out to games again, and they just pretty much they just paid me a set amount a month, and and I would just go to whatever game I wanted to go, pretty much within reason, and I just built up just built up my knowledge there. And the same thing with um, the, the role at Norwich that changed a little bit in the second season. Because Ben Strang was at Cambridge now was my boss, and he left, and they decided Richard Money took over the academy. And he wanted to tap into the non-league market a little bit, so I was actually going to watch non. I was watching national league games uh, in 16, 17 season, and I was also coming to watch a lot of League Two games, obviously because all the youngsters are Orient. So I, and I was watching, and I. Was, I'd watch an under 18s game or an under 16s game in the morning as well, so I knew what was in the club. I knew what was coming through, and uh, I had a, a meet, meeting before it all happened actually with Martin, because you know I think there was plans about a takeover going on, 
and I never heard nothing from him until about well, until it actually the takeover had been completed. And I just gave him a call and said, "What well, you, you know? Do you want do you want someone then?" And basically, we had another meeting. I had the list, I'd, a database I'd drawn up of players that were going to be available, and uh, we went through it and we sort of we gave it sort of like a trial trial run, and it went really well. So you feel it's all dropping into place this season, though. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's, it's nice. Like it's nice. It, it's nice. It? Yeah. It's a it's a it's a lot, lot nicer feeling on the Wednesday morning and the Saturday night now compared to like, you know, last November, put it that way. Well, it's character as well. I think, you know, if we've got characters behind the scenes, Chris, and, you know, say you said Justin, has, you know, he makes his very, you know, knows what he wants and he, that's it. Yeah. You know, single mode, we know Lingy is, you know, and, and we know Danny's a nice guy. We know Ross is a good coach. You, you come in, you've got a bit of a character. Now, I think having these characters behind the scenes... Helps the foundation of the club, doesn't it? Yeah. It builds a character throughout. Well, it's professional pride as well. You know, you, you, you do, you know, I'm an O's fan now. You know, the club's right ingrained in me now. And, and I, I'm, a, you know, on a Saturday Good. night, I'm sort of, you know, checking Twitter. And I want to know, know people's opinions and things like that. I love, you know, I like to take it all on board. And, and uh, I say, like, you know, I bore my family with it. Especially the other half, but there you go. Obviously, you have longer, long term targets as well. There's people who have obviously you've missed out first time around and you end up getting. I just want to talk about Ebu Adams because obviously you were part of the decision of getting Ebu to come into Norwich and yeah. then you get in to come into Orient on the loan thing. So there's, you build up that rapport with players over the Definitely, over the years, yeah. don't you? Definitely. He was one when I first come in. He was one I just I knew, I knew he would be right for the National League. Um, unfortunately, because the takeover dragged on and dragged on until like the end, like tail end of June, he'd already had something arranged with Shrewsbury Town, um, so which didn't quite work out for him. Um, but I say he came in, did really well for us, and you know what's happened, what's gone on now has happened now. It's history, so we've moved on. But um, and we. We heard a lot about Dale Gorman at the time. Was Dan Dale Gorman, from your point of view, you you scouted him as well? Was, was he was he above Ebu? Was he? I always liked Dale. Um, it was actually Justin flagged him up. To be fair, um, at the training ground, in just in conversation on training, this would have been around about sort of February time, and I said, "Yeah, I like him." I said, "He's because you know, I'd watched him a lot um, when he was a Stevenage. He was playing at Stevenage as an eighteen-year-old." And 19-year-old, he was like he had 70, 75 league games, I think, when he joined us. So I'd, I'd watched a lot of him. So I, had, you know, he wasn't. I was like, I couldn't say. Well, I'm not too sure about him. It was, I knew about him, and I thought, yeah, he's again, he's aggressive. He gets around the pitch well. He's got good energy. Uh, he's a, on the ball. He's a decent passer. He's got, you know, plays with his head up. Got decent vision. So he's got he's got that over Ebu. He's probably better in possession. Um, Paul de Thor asks, um, what areas are your scouts looking at? Um, give us an example. Do you have any out looking in Kent for young players? I say this is the Sell Kent League. It's the biggest league affiliated to London FA, also one of the largest in the country, and must be potential out there. But what areas? You, you mentioned scout covering the north. What Are you covering all over the country? Um, with regards to the Sell Kent League, that will be Shane's remit. Really, Shane's a South London guy as well, so he knows. He covered. He worked with me at Norwich, and at Brentford as well. So he knows 
that area really, really well. Um, he's brought some good lads in to the club already in the academy. Um, I don't really have too much to do with the academy side of it, to be fair. But um, Lewis Spencer, the academy manager, is really happy with the player, the class of players bringing in, sort of under 13 level. Um, this year's under 16s. I think that the, the last season under the 15s are quite a weak group. But towards the tail end, Shane's bringing lads in, and I think they're going to be quite a strong group this year. So, and some of them are already playing in the under 18s at the moment, playing up, which is good. Um, but yeah, that would be that is Shane's remit, and that is an area we do cover. Um, You've got to obviously you've got competition now. It's going to be tough because Chelsea will have play, Chelsea will have that area covered. Millwall, it's Millwall and Charlton Palace territory as well. So you have you know you've got to be a little bit cute. But we all know we're we're getting one or two out of there, which is good. Um, regards to the North, Carl's mainly doing the sort of um, opposition scouting up there. He will go and do off his own back because he, 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 he's like I was four years ago. He wants to learn. He wants to take build up his information. So he will go and watch Newcastle's 23s or Middlesbrough's 23s or Sunderland's 23s. So we have a good knowledge of players up there who, you know, who may become available for loan or maybe a free transfer maybe later on uh, in the future. And we've got a guy in the West Country who sort of covers your Exeter's um, Plymouth, Torquay, Yeovil, yeah. and it will do, and it will do, it will do, like when a like a local national league Southside will go down now, he will sort of just have. If I ask him to point out a player for us, I mean Les is, so he's in his eighties now. He's been doing it for years, done it for Dean at Brentford and Walsall for years. So, um, so he's a good guy to have just to, you know, he's. You know, he isn't obviously IT literate, but he can spot a player. So, yeah. so. So, so finally, from from me then, <coughs> there must you've got that list of targets that you, that you want and you've passed up for for January and and for next summer. Um, I wouldn't say I've passed up yet. There's there's a few lads I've I've mentioned. Um, we have we have got a list. We've got a loan. We've got a loan list as well. Potential loan list. So if anyone's spilled the beans, come on. No, there's, 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 there's nothing. There's nothing concrete. Obviously, if someone, we've probably got a list of five players in every position. Should should we have a a bad long-term injury, yeah. trying to maybe bring someone in short notice? Obviously, the, the Premier League players have gone now because you can't do Premier League loans outside uh, between the windows. So it's unlike though, Steve, wasn't it? That a Premier League player, even if. They're well, we got yeah, Levi, didn't we? We did, um, but it's, it's, it's a big. There was a, there was a couple of there was a couple of others. That, there was a couple of others that were offered to us as well. To be fair, um, just not in a position. Just not in a position. It is a big drop, but it's it's a you know we are we are quite we're a big club in this at this yeah, level. Oh yeah, yeah, we're a professional, uh, we're a professional club. Yeah, yeah. We still do things the right way, so it's no it's not too bad. But you know there are other clubs you know that. In the championship, and who you know, I've had discussions with who uh, are open to let some of their players out. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's probably more championship league one is more realistic. It's going to be, yes, yeah. it will be realistic. And yeah. to be fair, I mean, a lot of them ones are category two academies, um, and a lot of the category one, which is mainly Premier League clubs, it is a bit 
you know, the style of football's very slow, and slow ha- tempo. Ha- ha- one thing I will say before Chris closes the show is that under the last regime, without dragging all that up again, we had a complete breakdown of, of, of relationship with every single member of the football league, if you like, every other club basically refused to deal with us anymore. How, how has that been repaired, how quickly, and how, how is our relationship now with other clubs? Oh, I don't have no problems with anyone, to be fair. Maybe one club in our league, but I won't go into that. <laughs> Maybe off here. But, um, no, it's just that most, most clubs are good as gold. Um, really, really are good, to be fair. That's um, good to hear, because I say, we, we, you know, we had our good reputation, which was left in, in Satters, and now hopefully it's been rebuilt and people trust us again to deal with us. So. Yeah, I, 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 as I say, well, I've, I've had no problems dealing in one. I mean, Crystal Palace, yeah. we're, we're, de- uh, we're dealing with Mark Bright at Crystal Palace for the Levi loan was, you know, they were first class, really were. And, you know, he'll, you know he's with us for the season and uh, he'll, he'll have a part to play as and when. Um, he's obviously come from 23, so this, this still he's only had, yeah. and because of the middle, he come in late on the on the on the Friday, um, because the registration hadn't gone through at that, he was there for training. The registration hadn't gone through yet, so we couldn't give him anything intense well, to you've do. You've seen him. How exciting is he? You know, he's, he's, he's quick. Um, he gets into lots of positions, good score goal scoring positions. Um, yeah, he's, he's a tricky player. He's a player who could he light works up hard. Our season. You know, I know we're doing well, but do you think he's a player who could really t- light the touch paper, you know, for us? Yeah, I mean, when, when called upon, and I think he'll do really well for us. And, you know, when your James is three weeks back away, maybe two, three weeks away, you know, you've got James. Levi and obviously Dates yeah. and Joby that's four quality well, wingers we were touching this before it's the first time in, in, in five or four or five seasons that we can look at a bench and go yeah. oh whereas before we were looking going well what's the point you know, what is the point of changing anybody it's but frustrating now we've got five or six sitting on the bench who can turn a game it's frustrating uh, from the National League point of view that we're only allowed five subs yeah. um, where the Football League have seven subs, seven subs yeah. give us just that little couple more options really um, if you play your cards right, you can have seven subs next season. Well, that's what we're hoping for. That's what we're all hoping for. That's what we're working hard to do. Uh, well, just time to thank my guests for tonight. Uh, Steve Foster, Jamie Stripe, Matt Roper and Andy Gilson. Uh, to Paul Golder, Steve Roach and uh, Elliot Byrne for making the show possible. To all you out there for listening in, uh, we'll be back next Sunday with another edition of the Orient Hour.